Hey guys, me and Dustin are back every week to discuss life, love, and of course, all things video related. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do so. Hey guys, Michael here with Video Bros. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We love you for it. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Michael. Hey, it's Dustin, everybody. Yeah, welcome back to uh, the Video Bros podcast. And uh, today, we've got a great show for you. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was hoping I was hoping you would echo my sentiment. <laughs> I didn't know we did, but yeah, I'm excited. I'll tell you what, I'm in a pretty good mood today, which is not normal for this podcast. I know you. So maybe like, it will be. Like you didn't good... yell at me about anything when we start before we started recording. Usually, you have something that you're pissed about. <laughs> Pissed at you or like pissed about something else and then I'm just telling you about it? it uh, both. There's yeah. usually one of each. I mean, I guess I'm pissed about a few things, but I don't know. I, overall, feeling feeling good right now. Yeah, so why are you so happy? Did your wife uh, give you the business before she went to work? <laughs> Hold on. Usually when somebody gives you the business, that's a bad thing. Like when you get in trouble. Oh, I, think I don't you know. You mean it like, do we get down to business? Oh, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> also, no. Yeah, not today. But hey, hey, the day's young, though. You never know. <laughs> yeah, there's still uh, there's still plenty of time. The night is young. That's right. As they say. That's right. So what's what's up? Why are you so happy? I'm, I'm not so happy. I'm just not so pissed. Is that okay? Am I? Is it, every, is it okay if every once in a while I'm not just a raging lunatic? Yeah, so you're just back to normal. Yeah. Back to baseline, Dustin. Yeah. That's right. Oh, How about you? Right. How was your week? Didn't you tell me last week you were finishing up your last edit? So have you just been sitting around with nothing to do all week or what? <laughs> I finished up my last edit and sent it to the clients and they didn't respond for two days which always makes me super nervous because i'm like oh god there's a revision in my future uh but then they got back to me and they said they really liked it so i think i'm officially done and um yeah i've got a month until my next scheduled one so i don't do it as much these days but i used to do a thing where i'd get to uh kind of close to the end of a video and then once i could see that the uh the end was near i would want to just keep going and going and going until it was done and i would end up working all through the night and it would you know be like eight o'clock in the morning when i'm finally ready to send the the video to the clients or whatever so then i'd send it to them you know eight o'clock in the morning and then i would just go to bed knowing that when i wake up i'm gonna have an email from them saying how great it is and so when I would wake up like eight hours later, you know, it's like the middle of the, the afternoon, early evening or whatever, and go check my email and they hadn't responded yet. It would be, it would like, like what? I slept eight hours. You haven't said anything like it would throw me. Yeah. Because a lot of times I, I noticed a lot of times the clients that are like real slow to respond and be like, Hey, we watched the video. We like it. Blah, blah, blah. Those are the same ones that email you like every four days. Like, Hey, how's the video coming? Hey, how's the video coming? Hey, how's the video coming? And then you send it to them and then they go quiet and you're like, what? I thought you were like, what? I thought this was like <laughs> the most important thing to you based on the way you've been bothering I me. I think they like to show it to people before they come back and say, oh, it's great. Because they don't want to come back and be like, oh, it's great. And then somebody says something about it that they want to change. Or I, I don't know. I think it has something to do with that. And you, I think it, maybe they're somehow they built it up in their head to be something that's going to blow their mind away. And they've thought about it so much and they built it up so much that there's like almost a little bit of disappointment. And they have to take a day or two and then watch it again and like, oh, it is really good. Yeah, uh, I think that's possible. I've, I've definitely had clients that have blown it up in their heads. And you can tell. You Like, I've sent videos that I'm like, oh, this is probably the best video I'll do all year. Uh-huh. And and then the client's like not, they don't seem super into it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you must have really built this up somehow because this video is awesome. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't I don't know. You know what I do? I don't send videos in the morning for review. I wait until like eight o'clock at night. 
Did you ever because try I like the idea of people being like really loose and tired from the day and possibly have started already started drinking. Wow. <laughs> so they're like way less, I don't know. I feel like you're really nitpicky in the morning when you wake up. And by the time you go to bed, you're just like kind of like whatever about things. Most often I would basically just send it as soon as it's available to be sent. But if I was at times when I've been more patient and smarter, ideally I would try to send something to somebody like Monday around like 10 o'clock in the morning so that hopefully they end up posting it like around lunchtime on Monday because I feel like that's when people are really on social media. Like a lot of people... Mm. Um, a lot of, a lot of people get back to work Monday and they're like, Oh, let me check social. Of course, that's how it was like 10 years ago. Now people are so much more addicted to social. I don't know if that matters as much, but when social media was like, like, remember when, when Facebook first started, people would log on once a day, see what was there and then not come back to it. Now people just like check it every 10 minutes, no matter what. So probably, that probably doesn't matter as much as it used to, but there used to be like data showing that if you posted something Monday at lunchtime is when you would get the most possible amount of attention, traffic, views, stuff like that. I I don't know Mm. if that's true anymore. I haven't looked into it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I never really considered that as being a motivation for when I send a video. I just didn't want to have to do revisions. So... (laughs) Yeah, I think I think, um, I think I would end up having to do them regardless of what time I sent the video. It's just in my mind, I felt better about it, you know, if I sent it later. I'm dealing with one right now where uh, we sent them everything like six months ago. And they just this week were like, hey, we have a couple of tweaks we'd like to make. <laughs> and uh, do you still have all the project files. Um, yeah. So I have all the project files and I have all the raw, like straight from camera files, but I don't have proxy files. So I've either got to, I'm going to have to decide, depending on how much stuff they want changed, I'm either going to blow eight hours regenerating optimized media, or (laughs) I'm going to edit through video that won't play back and just kind of move the playhead around and be like, yeah, that's probably a clean edit. And I'll just, I'll just scan that after I export it, make sure it works or something or just kind of yeah. like, well, yeah, maybe I guess I could just set up cash and then just cash the few clips that I'm actually altering and then watch them or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer that won't be much of an issue going forward. Cause now that we're all shooting B raw, that stuff works without proxy files. Great. But this being something that is, you know, we turned it in six months ago. So it's, I don't know how old it is, but it's old. You know, it's from like, it's like a year old. Um, I'm going to have, it's all, it's all H264 eight bit stuff. So the computer won't want to play it. So it's going to be a bummer. Uh, yeah. Man, I, I always tell the client, you got 30 days to ask me for revisions and then I'm going to get rid of this crap. Right. So that's how I handle that. Uh, yeah, man. Well, I, uh, yeah. So I haven't to answer your question in the most roundabout way possible. I've, uh, been studying for my real estate license this week. So that's what I've been doing all week. Taking the most boring class online, teaching me all about the 13 different types of deeds you can have to a property. (laughs) And this is like, I mean, I know you've kind of talked about this stuff, is this just like, hey, I've I've been wanting to do this. This is on, you know, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time and now I have the time? Or is yeah. this your oh shit, I think I might be done with video after COVID, so I better kick this shit into full gear? Or is it some of both? I think it's it's definitely both. It's not that I'm done with video. I would say I'm getting to the point where I think I'm going to be done with weddings. Um that portion of my life I think is coming to a close, but I'll still do video stuff. I, I don't see myself ever stopping cause I've been doing it for so long. Like, yeah, I don't think you do something this long without really liking it. Um, and I, I genuinely like video stuff, so I won't stop doing it, but hmm. I don't necessarily need to shoot my, you know, I'm not looking to hit 500 weddings. So, <laughs> right. 
I don't know so, yeah, uh, if I would say that I like it as far as uh, weddings specifically. I mean, I, I, I'm certain that I'm going to do video for the rest of my life. I mean, first of all, I mean, as long as I've been doing it, what else? Like, I'm not qualified to do anything else, but I know, like, I, I know enough to know that, like, this is, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to stay in it. Um, I, as far as weddings, I keep trying to quit. I've quit twice now. And, uh, <laughs> You're addicted. Hopefully I'll quit again soon. But You're addicted to the love. Uh, you know, one thing leads to another. <laughs> you're a you're a sensitive guy. Yeah, you it'll be interesting to see if if vows. that happens to you too. Like if you quit weddings, um, you know, and then go working in real estate, and then one thing leads to another, and you look back two years from now, and you're back doing thirty weddings a year. I mean, if that were the case, it would just be. I think it would just probably mainly be motivated by money, and that's about it. Yeah. What, what do you think I'm doing it for? My health. <laughs> obviously not yeah. i'm looking at you <laughs> obviously not man i really let myself go like i've had a so like during the whole covid thing like first couple of weeks i was just like completely let myself go and then i was like i had a realization i was like oh shit this covid thing might last for a while i can't live like this i need to be healthy so i can fight the virus so then i turned everything around I was fasting crazy, like barely eating, working out, like doing really good. And then, you know, had some emotional setbacks and just <laughs> kind of train went off the rails. And I, I'd say I'm I'm pretty much at rock bottom right now. <laughs> I'm basically at rock bottom right now. And I just, you know, I have a half a gallon of ice cream to finish and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. And I bought it last night, so that means I ate half a gallon of ice cream last night. Oh, my God. I don't feel good about it, physically <laughs> or emotionally. I feel sick. <laughs> and uh, my wife just went grocery shopping, so when she gets back and starts trying to put stuff in the freezer, she's going to find the ice cream. So I'm also about to get in trouble. Wait, why would you get in trouble she doesn't let you... she? Is that her ice cream? She, no, she's just going to be up. She's going to be disappointed in me. <laughs> oh, Wouldn't is this like be? an ongoing thing? I have a problem. Is this a thing that you've been like warned about? Like, hey, don't eat a half gallon. And now you're, are you going to be like the dog where the owner comes home and the dog is sitting there looking all guilty. And then the, you find out that the dog like spilled over all the kitchen trash everywhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well hey man we got a uh we got a little message from our uh yeah our read favorite it off. person our favorite listener yeah the most active listener that we've ever had yeah uh sebastian on instagram said uh hey this is your favorite instagram bot since you seem to not believe that i am a real person i want to ask you guys to answer a question in the podcast. I hear a lot of different opinions about white balance. What do you guys think about using auto white balance or manual setting of white balance? I'd love to hear your opinion on that. And uh, I enjoy listening to the stories uh, where Dustin talks about the one time that he fucked up the white balance. <laughs> uh, and I wish I even, I was, actually wish I was so freaking pissed was. about that. <laughs> I don't even remember what that story was or what I talked about. I don't. I don't doubt it. But yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it either. It. I know you've screwed up white balance many a time All on right, my shoots. So <laughs> no, that can't be right. So uh, let's let's answer Sebastian's question here. What do you think about auto white balance? Do you ever use it? I I know where I'm going with this, but I, I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, I feel there. Um, in general, I don't, but there's a time and a place, and I think it depends a lot on what you're doing, what the what the situation is, and also what what the camera if, is. If so Dustin's filming himself in his bedroom. He'll use auto white balance. How dare you? No, why would I do that? That's like a controlled setting. So here here's a the times I've used white or the times I would use auto white balance are like. If you're in a situation where you're moving really, really fast 
and yeah. everywhere you point the camera is a different light. You got half daylight, half tungsten. It's a little bit all over the place. You're, maybe you're on a gimbal. You're following somebody walking through something. Um, you know, where it's just like everything I do is like a little bit wrong or it's changing so much I can't keep up with it. Um, then maybe I would. And that's knowing that I'm going to be um, shooting for B-roll where I'm just looking for little clips and stuff. So if, if the first five seconds don't match it 30 seconds later in the clip or whatever, I'm going to kind of edit around it. Um, but then I would also say it kind of depends on the, the camera. So like when I was shooting on cannons and stuff, I felt like the, the, the white balance was pretty kind of smooth, but then I noticed when I switched over to Panasonic's, if you put it on auto white balance, they change like every second, every two seconds, they would change so fast that they would ruin stuff and make it really hard to edit around it. So on those cameras, I got to, I'll just never do it. Then when I was shooting on red, um, I kind of got in the habit of always doing auto and like, like I basically, because I was shooting raw, I like just took it for granted and just like almost like, Hey, I have so much stuff to worry about. I'm not going to worry about white balance. I'll just change it later. There's enough data there in the raw file. Like I, it kind of, it kind of doesn't matter. And then I, I would say I caught myself getting like actually a little bit lazy about it. Um, yeah. But as far as, you know, if you have a camera where you're baking in the color, so you're not shooting raw, you're shooting into H.264 or something like that, you know, 8-bit where it's like you don't have the the data in the files to be able to change it later, later, then you do need to get it right. And so I would say as much as possible, avoid the auto white balance and try to have the proper white balance. The other thing that I'll mention is that I've noticed when I've worked with a lot of guys that, that like to use manual white balance, a lot of times people will just stick to kind of the Kelvin so that they're just going up and down on Kelvin and and setting it. And I actually more often than not, you know, like on DSLR cameras and stuff, uh, like to use the presets. So the tungsten preset, the daylight, the shade, all those presets. Um, and the reason for that is that they not only adjust, you know, the orange and blue, from the Kelvin scale, they also adjust the, uh, green and magenta. And so a lot of times I work with, with, with folks that do everything uh, manually and they're in Kelvin. And so they're going up and down in temperature, but they're just completely ignoring the magenta and the green. And so that's where I, I feel like using those presets in camera, um, is a, is a really fast way to get a lot closer to, to kind of what you're after. Um, and the obviously, obviously the best is to set custom white balance using a gray card, but there's just, isn't always time for that depending on what you're doing. If you're doing a live event or if you're doing running gun documentary or whatever, there's not always time for that. If you're doing a sit down interview, I mean, I'm trying really hard to shoot a gray card from every camera at every sit down interview, you know, anytime I'm like really setting stuff up or, you know, so I have a, I have a white balance card that's like the size of a credit card. And I just keep it in my breast pocket and my shirt. And then, you know, if I'm going to be shooting in (laughs) one scene for a couple of minutes, I'll just pull that out and just shoot that card. And then I know that like basically the white balance for this is in the ballpark for everything I'm shooting until I walk into another room or until I go back outside or whatever. So I guess to answer Sebastian's question, I mean, Auto white balance is a tool just like any other tools that sometimes is the right thing to do. Know your camera, know how it reacts, know whether or not it's going to fuck you up or help you. Um, and think for the edit. Thanks for listening to another episode of the video bros podcast. If you want to ask a question, leave a comment. You can do so by messaging us at Video Bros Podcast, all one word, on Instagram. Yeah, I agree. The one other scenario where I would consider using auto white balance is, like for me, I know at weddings, I'll typically have a camera in the back uh, of wherever the ceremony's at, right? So I'll... (sighs) Not usually, I try not to, but if 
let's say um, it gets like, let's say I know the sun is going to go down during the ceremony, which happens all the time. And it's the most obnoxious thing. You'll have this moment where everything turns really blue. Right. Because you're white balanced for the sun. And then once that sun goes down, everything just turns super cold and blue looking. So I'll leave that back camera on auto white balance. Um, knowing that when the sun goes down, I'm going to very quickly have a shot that I can cut to that's going to look pretty accurate while I change uh, the other white balances on the other two cameras to look more natural. And then, of course, I'll have to make it look as good as I can in post, but at least me doing that in person, like changing those white balances, will um, make it easier for me to get it looking good in post. See, I can I disagree with you because I completely disagree. You did so. I so here's here's the thing. I've done this on weddings before. I did this. I didn't do it with the Black Magic pocket cam at a wedding in where was I? Beaver Creek, Mm -hmm. and the sun went down right in the middle. Well, and and you should clarify that when you shoot on the Black Magic camera, you're not capturing raw. You're capturing ProRes, so your color is baked in. Right. When I was doing it, uh, I wasn't baking in a LUT or anything, but I was, yeah, the color was just standard. It's not, I wasn't shooting raw. So Dustin is correct about yeah. that. So here, here's why I would disagree. And I'm, I'm actually talking in terms of a ProRes or a H264 or something like that. Um, the reason why I would never put them on auto is because I would rather have three cameras that go from being basically right to basically wrong that all match at the exact same time. So I would, I would rather, I'd rather them match and be wrong than not match. And some of them are right. And some of them are not wrong. I think that's or that they change at different times. You know, this one, starts getting cooler two minutes before the other one does because it's in a different orientation from the sun or whatever. And so I, I feel it's easier to correct that in color correcting and post as long as they all kind of change. And then I might find, you know, I might try to find a, a moment in the edit where the shift in the color really changes kind of naturally, not from the camera change, but the you know, and then I might, I I basically might go to the end and color correct and then go to the beginning and color correct and then find some way to crossfade those two colors at some point. Or I might just go, okay, basically everything left of here is, is, is one color and everything kind of right of here is one color. And I'm maybe just gonna make the change right here on this one edit or whatever. And hopefully it's not too jarring or kind of like, uh, you know, or, or just sort of like every three minutes, I'm kind of re color correcting. I'm, I'm, I'm readjusting like every 10 clips or so to try to get it back to normal. And then I'm just like fine tuning and just, you know, it just, it changes a little bit every time it cuts from one camera to the other so that you don't notice it or whatever. But, you know, let's say I, let's say I'm out shooting in the middle of the ceremony, I realize the color's changing drastically then I still would want to go manually from this camera, then to this camera, then to that camera, and then do it and then try to edit around. But most of the time I would just let them all go wrong and then fix them. Cause the way you're mm. talking about doing it, I feel like it would be a lot more tedious to try and match them all up when they all change colors at different times and, you know, different, different amounts and stuff like that. I, I, I probably wouldn't ever go to see like when I was talking about like, Hey, when, when you just, the color keeps changing and you have different, um, you know, everywhere you point the cameras a different color cause you have different light sources or whatever that I'm really talking about B roll when it comes to like, we're locked off on a tripod, basically not moving for 30 minutes. That's a time when I, I basically would never use auto, but I mean, it a little bit depends on the camera too, I guess. I, I guess if I had a camera that I felt like I trusted, but I haven't in a long time. And now I have raw, so it doesn't matter. So, I try to be in yeah, the ballpark. There you go. That's that's two different two will, different ways well, to do it. Well, I will it. tell you, I just have a wedding that I shot that was like an elopement. And it's a color nightmare. 
and I'm actually pretty stressed out about it because it's kind of new. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about how these particular cameras are sensitive to infrared pollution. And then there's the fact that uh, variable ND filters are sort of polarizers. And so they affect light differently according to the angle that they are to the sun. I had a, a mountaintop wedding that I shot and the clouds were moving a lot. And I've, I had a really hard time making all the cameras look the same in all the different lighting. Like when everything was full sun, everything matched. But when the cloud came over and it all got darker, one of them went way red, one of them went way green, one of them just, you know, like, they just don't match. They just don't match. I can't make the shadow stuff match the sunny stuff. And then between the three cameras on the shadowy stuff, I can hardly even make those match. I mean, I say can't. I mean, I can't in the amount of time that it's willing, that I'm willing to spend on, on what it is. You know, if I would... I mean, it's it's to a point where I would need to qualify everything in the image separately. So, like, I'm getting as close as I can with kind of a one node, you know, maybe one or two nodes or whatever. But to really make a match, I'd have to qualify all the the green stuff, all the leaves, and then qualify all the skin tones, and then qualify all the whites, and like I'd have to set like like essentially almost as though I'm like rotoscoping the image, recoloring it and putting it back together in a bunch of layers. Like that's what I'd have to do to make it match. And I don't know if better filters are going to help for that. Cause it's not like, I mean, I know that a big part of the problem is using variable NDs, but I don't think that I can stop using variables because there's just, just never going to be a time to use hard stop ND filters. Um, People that don't live, in the mountains probably don't understand. Cause I didn't understand. Cause I used to live in Texas where it was flat. Um, it is shocking how much more sun there is when you're at 14,000 feet altitude <laughs> and how much more <laughs> shocking the light changes and stops as a sha- as a cloud rolls by when you're that close to the sun. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it swings, I don't know, eight stops, 10 stops. It's crazy. And so, I, I don't see any other way to deal with it than ND filters. And I don't see, you know, or, or sorry, than a variable ND. And all these variable NDs are going to change the color tint the more you crank them and uncrank them. And I, I'm just, I'm a little, I don't have the answers right now. And I don't like that. Because usually I feel like, well, at least I know what I could do to make it better. And right now I'm like, I don't see a practical solution for how for how wonky the color was at this deal. Other than just like, hey, maybe let's not get married at the worst possible time of day lighting. Yeah, I've I've experienced that already twice on these on these pocket cams. <clears throat> uh, just not being able to get the colors to match. But if it's at the right time of day, like they match exactly. I mean, you can't tell the difference between right. one, you know, a- any of the cameras. And then, well, like you the- know, I'll, I'll do a shoot where every setting is the same and they just, they look different. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it's just, it's, ah, it's, it drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I think I'll get better at it. Probably. I probably need to drive out there and then just spend the afternoon shooting stuff and testing stuff and, <sighs> I don't know, man, Uh, but it was frustrating. And like, it was one of those things where I kept, uh, I kept, you know, I'd be, I'd be working at it and then I'd be like, fuck, this isn't going well or whatever. And then I'd stop and then I'd be, you know, I'd be off of work or whatever. And I'd be thinking about it and I'd be like, I'm really good at color correction. I can fix this. I don't, obviously I was just having a bad day. Let me tomorrow. I'm going to get in there. I bet in five minutes, I just need a fresh eyes. I bet in five minutes, I'll fix the whole thing. And then I go in there, I rework it again. And I'm like, fuck, I can't make it look right. It was really yeah. frustrating. Really frustrating. Maybe, uh, maybe there's a better filter. Maybe there's a better ND filter that I should be using. But I feel like we already spent a lot of money on these really recently. <laughs> That's a factor. It's a major factor. Well, let me ask you about this. I'm I've been talking about the the uh, Polar Pro 
base camp map box for a while. Yeah, I haven't used them, but I've heard good things. And your boyfriend, Jared Dud likes them, right? Who? Jared Undone. Don't you like him on YouTube? I, no, I don't know him, but he oh. sounds familiar. I don't know him, though. He's friends with the other one that you like, McKenna. What's his name? M- Peter McKinnon. Yeah, he's friends gotcha. with Peter McKinnon. I think. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, that might a explain why I've heard do the really name. good YouTube videos are Canadian. They seem to all know each other. Yeah, yeah, they all know each other. They're all, they're all in a rare uh, industry. Yeah, I do wonder how much work they do outside of YouTube. Uh, I know that Peter McKinnon just did something for that band Angels and Airwaves, which was like kind of like a group that I think has Tom DeLonge in it from Blink One Eighty Two. I see. He just made a like a maybe like a documentary style thing for them. That's what you want to do, right? Uh, that would be pretty fun. It's probably not all I want to do, but it'd be pretty fun. Hey, so speaking of uh, making a documentary, yeah. So I told you last week uh, that my old boss reached out to me. You know, we hadn't talked in a while and didn't exactly leave. Uh, happy with each other and I thought I'd never talk to him again but he wanted to patch things up and we started talking and um, he called me again what did he want this time he wanted to re- you to like remodel his uh, his living room <laughs> yeah. he's like hey um, you quit before we could uh, redo the deck <laughs> yeah, yeah. some bathroom tile that needed to be uh, yeah. so the uh, installed what Michael's <laughs> referencing for the listeners here is that uh while that was primarily a video production job and I got to do Emmy award winning documentaries and I got to travel the world shooting awesome stuff on high end gear and got to do a lot of things. I also sometimes had to remodel the basement for a few months and also go to his investment properties and, um, you know, like clean out the chimney and like retile the bathroom and, uh, Climb you know, up just on your, the roof, you know, just your run typical run-of-the-mill run <laughs> video production stuff. <laughs> run-of-the-mill, uh, hey, today instead of editing that project that we told the client we'd finish today, instead we're going to rent a U-Haul truck and fill all this garbage from my yard with it and then drive it down to the city dump so I could save $14 versus what it would have cost me to just hire a fucking waste removal company. Anyways, um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, God, I hope he never hears this. Um, so the reason he called me is cause he's, he's feeling real social justice about, uh, you know, all the George Floyd stuff going on and, you know, yeah. like just the general state of how our country seems to be a complete garbage fire right now and everything sucks. And he's, <laughs> you know, feeling that he doesn't want to be on the sidelines. He wants to get involved and he wants to, you know, use his skills and his assets to make a difference in the world and yada, yada, yada. Basically, it sounds like he's he's interested in starting a film festival f- specifically with the purpose of, like, promoting positivity and kindness and, and social justice and raising awareness and, and you know, like, kind of was like asking if that was something I'd be interested in. I think he's having a meeting on Tuesday at three o'clock on like Skype or whatever. And, uh, asked me if I wanted to go and, you know, there's gonna be a couple other local filmmakers there and kind of see, you know, what would it look like? Can we get sponsors for this? What kind of contest should it be? What should be the rules or should be the format, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I told him my first reaction was pretty negative. My first reaction, I was just like, yeah, I don't really, I kind of think everything's fucked and I can't do anything about it. I don't really feel (laughs) that there's anything I can do to make the world less awful. Um, I don't really feel that's my cross to bear. Like, I mean, like I said last week, nobody votes the way I vote and none of this shit's my fault because you won't listen to me when I tell you how to fix the world. But, um, and I just think that our country is fundamentally at its core, deeply, deeply racist in a way that will continue (laughs) causing pain for not decades, but centuries. You also thought the coronavirus was like going to kill all of us. It still can. Three weeks ago. Have you not been watching the news this week? It's coming back. 
No, that's the problem. You watch way too it's much. It's making news. a big comeback. That's why in you Texas think the way they're you think. seeing every you watch single day way too much CNN. In Texas, every single day they're breaking the record for daily new cases every day. So, oh, go ahead exciting and go stuff. ahead and laugh it up. <laughs> it's going to be my funeral. <laughs> You're so wishy washy. Yeah. Anyway, so I t- I told him I go look. I already have this thing that's I I want to make a feature film in my lifetime and it's already a dream that's so ridiculous it's so it's so nonsense for me to even think that I could ever accomplish that and yet I'm dedicated to it and I'm somehow at someday going to be able to get that done and so I'm not also trying to save the world and trying to do you know uh, try to solve racial inequality in America and try to solve hunger and try to make the wars stop and try to stop income inequality. Like everything's and fucked and I can't do anything about it. That's not my, but, but I told him, you know, cause everything, <laughs> he was, everything he was talking about sounded basically like he was talking about documentary work. And, uh, I said, if it was instead, if part of it was, going to be narrative if i could do a short film that was more like filmmaking more like a movie then maybe i'd be a little bit more interested in it anyways i told him i'm going to the meeting do you want to go uh no but i got do you want me to be an actor in one of your movies who would i play no i want you to sit in on the meeting and just see how that goes and then we can talk shit about it next week on the podcast uh, yeah, that doesn't really sound like my scene. All right. Thanks for your support. <laughs> well, first of all, you, all you did for the first 20 episodes of this podcast was talk so much shit about this guy. And now you want me to get involved with I, this guy somehow. <laughs> I don't think he's come up that often. First of all. Uh, yeah, he came up pretty often. Yeah. And you talked about so much about how you hated him and how it was the worst job you've ever had and how he basically degraded you and made you like clean out his gutters. And now <laughs> you're basically asking me if I want to get involved okay. in this thing that gutters, he's developing. I cleaned his chimney. There's a difference. It's, it seems like this guy probably doesn't have your best interest in mind. He also doesn't sound like the guy that would start a social justice film festival. Oh, he totally does. He's the guy who's like, I love working for mostly nonprofits because I just feel really good being able to give back. And I'm like, I don't really feel that way. I feel like nonprofits are the same as for profits once you really get in there. But I feel like if anything, nonprofits broke my heart more. Because they all have this like holy mission, and then once you get on the inside and you're working with them, and you start to like really know the people, you're like, "Oh, you guys are fucking pieces of shit too." Well, yeah, that's like, why. Oh, cool! That's you're why saving this... all this money to help these animals, but you treat your own human children like garbage. Like, oh, you're a piece well, of shit. That's, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't seem like the kind of person Not that him. would I mean, genuinely be interested. I. It sounds weird okay, to okay, me. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, no, okay. So then lo- look at it from a selfish perspective then. Okay. If he actually does get this festival going and it actually does get some attention, uh-huh. wouldn't it be great if myself and my new company that I'm now with come in and do really well and have a good film that people see? And then I'm like, hey, I used your platform to promote my new thing. Ha. Well, I mean, yeah. listen, the same as with any film festival. The whole idea you do it is to show the world what you're capable of. What yeah, if except I do there's actual really film festivals that already exist yeah, I that you could submit too. to. Yeah, I kind of think that too. I mean, that was also part of my initial negativity was just like, you're starting another film festival? You realize that there are 50,000 film festivals already? But you feel that you need to start a new one because... You watch the news this week and you're upset. Yeah, that's the other part, too, is how long is he going to be in this mode? Right now, everybody's posting pictures of their black friends on Instagram, but I don't know if they're going to be doing that three months from now. 
I mean, you're the one that wants to be a documentary filmmaker, but you don't want to do, you're not really interested in doing documentaries about social issues though. You want to do like, uh, like you want to do like band tour videos. Like uh, you want to do like, like I don't want to, no, cool, I do not want to like a celebrity no, video. Yeah. I don't want to do band tour videos tour. That's a little different, but I like the overall concept of, filming interesting people i guess it could be socially justicey i guess but there's not a topic right now that i particularly am so you don't have any ideas because so so you don't want to help me come up with any ideas to suggest at this meeting for how this festival could be kind of cool because one because i did have a thought um Cause I think, uh, in order to get attention and stuff, like in order to get a following and to get, you need to get attention in order to get attention. You need like a gimmick. Um, hold on. I have to look up something cause I want to be accurate. Mm, this um, is good pod. I know I'm fucking the sound of Dustin looking up something on the internet. Yeah. Okay. So George Floyd, uh, was murdered after a knee was on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. So I thought, what if in this festival, every single submitted film had to be eight minutes and 46 seconds? There you go. It could be like the 846 festival. So that's a pretty dope idea I came up with, right? That's a good idea, but then it's specifically like... The problem uh, with that is who wants to watch a fucking short film that's like more than four minutes? I mean, it's got to be really good. (laughs) What? I, I feel like a lot of people would take their four minute ideas and stretch them to eight minutes and 46 seconds. And then they would all be boring and the festival. Would, it would take too long to watch all the videos. And like, I think if you're doing documentary, it wouldn't be that hard. But if you're doing narrative, like, fuck, now you got to shoot eight or nine pages of script instead of three or four pages of script. Like how many more locations are you going to need? How much more dialogue are you going to need? That's kind of a lot. Yeah. Well, Anyway, it sounds like you want literally nothing to do. What if I decide to do a film? Are you going to help me with it? Are you going to be on my crew? Well, it depends. What's the film about? Well, you tell me. We had to come up with one. Well, I mean, I have one. I have one idea for a short film that could that kind of lives in this world because it is about like a traffic stop going wrong um, with a racist cop. But I. There's somebody's supposed to be writing it with me. Like basically I came up with the 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 outline of the story, but at the end of the day I'm really not a writer. I'm not really You're going to be the actor, right? No, why would I ever be on camera? You're going to be the cuz you look like a racist cop. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you have the look. You don't think I look like a bleeding heart liberal when you look at me? That's, that's how I feel. And, well, you look like uh yeah, in the same way that Michael Moore does. Well, let me put it this way. If you close your eyes and you picture me on my day off, am I dressed up in a cop uniform or am I wearing Jesus sandals and like baggy clothes? Like, a, uh, like I'm not exactly a Portland I've never seen you that guy, dressed up. Like, <laughs> that's right. Okay. So like, don't you think like cops are like, you know, like they like tuck in their shirt and stuff. That's not me. Yeah, for safety. <laughs> I don't know. So wait, first of all, if you did, if you helped me with this, would you rather do documentary or narrative? Hint: If you say documentary, I'm out. Oh, documentary, Got but you, motherfucker. <laughs> should I? Have, well, I'm. I guess I'm out. Should I have just told him fuck off? I don't want to do it. I don't. I don't want to be too dismissive. Well, without considering it, I think I, I told who, him I'm not sure if I'm gonna, if it's for me, and that I didn't necessarily feel share his feeling that it's my responsibility to use my skills to change the world, blah blah blah. And I told him that I think there's way too much content that's trying to be socially aware right now, and, and to the point where it feels like there's nowhere to go to escape. I feel like really what the world needs right now is a fat guy steps on a rake and then the rake hits him in the nose. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we need fart jokes. We, you know, we, we, the, I mean, every fucking where you go now is so serious. All the late night talk show guys, 
Not allowed to tell jokes. Not allowed to laugh. Everything is super. Yeah. You know, like Jimmy Fallon is the most. We don't offend anybody. Everything is feel good. I just want to make you laugh before you go to bed or whatever. And now it's like tonight. He's still I, apologizing. I just <laughs> I, tonight. I'm going to once again apologize for that one sketch I did on Saturday Night Live 15 years ago. And I do understand that all of America's racial problems are because of my sketch on Saturday Night Live where I portrayed an African-American comedian that thought the sketch was funny and totally approved of it. And um, And who was my best friend at the time. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's so, I mean, it's like... Yeah. Uh, if people think hard, Jimmy man. Fallon is the problem and the cause of racism in America, like. Uh, yeah, it's hard, man, because I keep opening like, my there's email. There's a white supremacist in the president's office and you're worried about Jimmy Fallon. Fuck off. Every other email I get is from like a blender company that I bought a blender from like oh, eight yeah. years ago. That's like, we do not condone using our mixers for racist purposes right (laughs) it's like thank you we're no longer going to be making chocolate shakes (laughs) (laughs) we'll only be chopping up vanilla shakes (laughs) pretty Um, much man yeah i feel that way and so i'm 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 out i mean don't get me wrong my bigger concern my bigger concern for you is this is a guy who made you snake like 64 toilets in a row yeah. and you're just crawling back to him like he's got uh, a what what is he dangling in front of you like a red camera or something? He's not dangling anything in front of me. Here's the deal. Uh, he calls you so, up out of the blue like your dad did that one time <laughs> when you were in sixth grade and then you're like hopping in his you're hopping in his Toyota Celica to go out with him for a day, and then you never see him again. That's what this guy is to you. Uh, uh, <laughs> here's the thing, though. I had um, my 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 first video job. You know, like when I actually started when I was in college. By the time I quit that job, so the guy that I was working for was my first mentor that really taught me a lot. And to be honest, we kind of learned together at the same time. Um, Sounds hot. But by the time I left that job, I thought, I'm never talking to this motherfucker ever again. The last time I ever see this guy, I hate him. I thought he was just, I just thought he was a evil garbage person. And um, I quit thinking, well, that's all that. And then a couple weeks later, he called me and he was like, hey, we got a referral. I see you're starting your own thing and we're already booked that day. You want it? And I was like, uh, yeah. He was like, look, man. There's not that many people that do what we do in this town, which at the time was true. It's not anymore. Now everybody does what we do. But, you know, it, he just, he was the bigger person and he was like, hey, look, man, we're in the same business and we're going to be able to help each other out. We're not always going to be available on the same days. So, you know, let's, uh, let's exchange referrals and stuff and try and help each other out. And he brought me a shitload of business that I wasn't able to um, really reciprocate for like a year. But then I did. And then for like a couple of years, he brought me business. I brought him a lot of business. And then after, you know, enough time had gone by to where that initial rage quitting anger was gone. Um, then he started bringing me on contract. And then I was like, wow, I just you just paid me more in three days than you used to pay me for a month's worth of work. And now suddenly our relationship doesn't seem so fucked up. And um I mean, the guy ended up, you know, he was a groomsman at my wedding. He's one of my best friends. We still talk all the time. He just told me he's having a baby. I'm not supposed to tell anyone. Oh, man. I know. Can you Is he it? the one that tried to bang the girl with the dreads? No. That guy <laughs> okay. also is one of my best friends, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait, no, Does hold on. Who podcast? am I thinking? Oh, no, wait. The guy you're talking about is, uh, now I'm trying to remember who tried to bang her. Um, yeah, that guy's a guy I don't know. That's a guy that would that that's the only day I ever saw him. You're talking about one of the videographers at the wedding? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that guy. Uh yeah. Anyway, um so the the, the point is you know, there was a time where I thought that relationship was over and he was the bigger person and he came back to me and it ended up being a a long-term good relationship that worked for business and and you know, he's like one of my best friends. And so now that I haven't worked for John for a year, I could see us 
working on a passion project or, or even me going and making a bunch of money in a short period of time for a couple of days as a contract worker for him. I don't think I'd ever work for him full time again. Obviously not. He made me want to kill myself. It was uh, <laughs> psychologically damaging and I still have a little bit of PTSD from it. But <laughs> I also know that he is really talented. I also know that he is, there are some things that he's much better at than me. And I know that I have some projects that he would be a really good resource for me to go to and be like, Hey, this doesn't look good. And I don't know why, you know, as far as rotoscoping and uh, compositing and, you know, after effects, he shit, he's way better at that stuff than me. And he's a better editor than me, to be honest. Like if you just need something to feel very polished and very snappy, he's at least, he's at least 5% better than I am. And so if I have something that's, Ooh, that's important, a big jump, what? <laughs> 5%. All right. What do you want me to say? 10%? Well, I thought it was going to be like, it's not like it's 100%. measurable data. So if it's like, a, if oh, it's an geez. abstract thought, I'm not going to give them more credit than 5% because I'm not going to shit on myself like that. <laughs> I guess not. Oh. All right. You're right. I should continue to, be, I, I should be a, a bridge burner is what you're saying. Uh, I mean, no, oh, I'm I supposed to should... be the pessimistic asshole one between the two of us. Here I, think I am trying to mend fences and build bridges and maintain relationships. And you're telling me. I say go back and be miserable all you want. I'm not going back. Going I'm talking back. about, I'm talking about this is just, step one. I'm talking Phase about, one. I'm talking about one Skype meeting that I wanted to bring some of my people to so that I can have some backup. You know, Drake's going. Yeah. Yeah. I so. like the idea that I've never met him. Who, Drake? Yeah. You haven't met Drake? No. Oh, that's weird. I know that. Yeah. yeah. He sings that song, right? Nope, not he that He used Drake. to call me on my cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the one. Uh, So, are you excited about tomorrow? Uh, You're supposed to come over and rebuild a fence in my backyard. I'm going to come over and help you and the two no, of I'm, us are going to repair your fence in the backyard. Obviously, I will be I'll be the project you. leader because I have the skill set and the tools and the experience. But you will be very hands-on. I will be hands-on my binoculars watching you from this the upstairs gonna be window a, to make sure you don't make any mistakes. This is going to be a teachable moment. <laughs> and I am going to make certain... That by the time I leave there, you will know how to do everything that needed to be done. So that if it happens again, you can do it without me. Wait, do if my fence blows over again? If you have to do all of the things that we're going to... So tomorrow, I'm going to show you how to separate rails... <laughs> from a post while leaving pickets attached so that they can be reattached to new posts. I'm going to mm -hmm. show you how to use a hijack to pull fence posts out of the ground without breaking them off uh, and without having to dig. I'm going to show you how to uh, make a notch cut because your fence uh, happens to use notch joints with four by fours. I'm going to show you how to make a notch joint and a four by four. I'm going to show you how to uh, put, set a post in concrete. And I'm, I might show you how uh, a skill saw works. I might show you how a uh, reciprocating saw works. I don't know if I'm going to need to, but maybe. might show you uh, how a miter saw works if you don't already know. Um, I'm going to talk to you about different types of screws. I'm going to talk to you about screws versus nails. <laughs> and then you're going to show me how to put a condom on a banana. <laughs> don't, no, I, I, come on, don't wear a condom. God, idiot, where's a condom? You're going to ruin the whole thing. <laughs> Just take your chances. If you if it's your time to die, it's your time to die. Don't wear a condom. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Sounds I'll tell like you gonna, what I'm not going to do, it's gonna though. It's going to be really hot tomorrow. Is I'm not going to be there for you to ref to finish I'm not going to be there for you to like stain the fence to match. You're going to paint it or whatever on your own. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. I already know that. Are you at all concerned 
that when I get there with all the tools and, you know, I start sweating and maybe I'll, I don't know, swing a hammer or something like that. Are you at all concerned that your wife, <laughs> that your wife might be looking at me with lust in her eyes? I'm concerned that you're going to forget the most important tool that you own at your house and not realize it till you get to my house. I'm also concerned about that. I'm not going to lie. I have been concerned about that all week. I've been playing it step by step over and over and over my head. Be like, what tool might I possibly need? I'm going to bring at least 10 tools tomorrow that we won't use just in case. Hey, we should do a, like a special uh, 10 minute bonus episode of the podcast. Right before or right after the fence? Uh, like during, during lunch, like lunch break. What do you think in lunch break? Hmm? Pizza or I'm going on a diet uh, soon, so you, you know not what? Be pizza pizza's gonna work because p- what's pizza night tonight? So what I'll do is I'll no order no no, no. Next... I'm not having leftover pizza. <laughs> oh no, I throw them. I throw it on the. It's actually better second day. That's on never the grill. been true in the history of pizza. On the grill, no. I, oh I okay, then you. I'll I'll oh, fine. I'll get you a pizza. All right, I'll get you a pizza same day. Pizza and a steak. <laughs> uh no whatever pizza, pizza 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 and a two liter and burgers is there anywhere like real delicious as mom and pop by your house yeah louis pizza hey, actually you wanna... they just put in a new pizza place two blocks away from me it's in my neighborhood it's surrounded by houses so it's just this one little tiny little pizza place good stuff have you had it yet yeah i had it last week for the first time pretty pretty good it, it's expensive but it's good I had a, we hadn't ordered pizza to the house in a long time. The place around here yeah. that has good pizza. Tell everybody go what happened up. the last time you ordered pizza. Wait, what do you mean what happened? I don't remember. <laughs> What's so funny? So tell them why, tell them why the pizza delivery place won't come to your house anymore. What, you're making up something. I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> I know you're not very good at improv. I was hoping you'd go along. What, with what this. Do I? I don't. I because I was because I do have a lot of stories. So I just think you're talking about something real. Now, anyways, long story short, the place that does good pizza, you you have to pick it up. You can't get them delivered. We really wanted delivery, so we got I think Pizza Hut. It's shocking that they can call that pizza. I mean, the it's only so pizza bad. that I the only pizza that I like from Pizza Hut is their personal pan pizza. It's different than like their regular pizza. There's something magical about it. Really? Whatever yeah. I had was like not, I mean, not really pizza. Did I ever tell you about my idea for my, I have a restaurant concept idea. Where you bake so your you know own how, pie, Kramer? No, no, no. You know how uh, when you go to like, people like st- certain things from certain restaurants, like at Red Lobster, people like the cheddar biscuit. Right. At Olive Garden people like the breadsticks breadsticks and the salad at, uh, you know. Right. Okay. So imagine a restaurant that serves all your favorite things from those restaurants. (laughs) So is the idea that you're going to send out delivery drivers all over the city picking this stuff up? Or are you just going to steal the recipes and replicate them? I don't know. I mean, you got to think logistics here. (laughs) Yeah, I'd probably just replicate the recipes, but you have to imagine they're like, they're like uh, secret or something. By the way, uh, if you're looking for a new industry because things aren't going well for your wedding videography business and COVID, I'm going to probably say restaurants, not not a real good time to be in restaurants (laughs) either. I mean, they're really taking it on the chin. Yeah, that's true. But not the pizza place near my house tomorrow. You'll be uh, you'll be taking the pizza on the chin. Hey, do you want to make a prediction of how long it's this job's going to take us tomorrow? Yeah, it's way longer than it's supposed to. You're like probably it, not even going to finish it. Like it should be two hours, but it'll probably be twelve. <sighs> yeah, right? I'm a little concerned about that. Are you bringing your wife? I don't think so. Why do you uh, think well, I she's sh- invited. you said something about that? Why would I do that? I mean, what is she? What is she? Why? Hey, what time are you coming? 
I feel, this is probably off pod talk at this point. Um, they're gonna wake <laughs> up at eight, and so you. Uh, I'll probably wake. I'll probably wake up at eight. Probably be on the road by about nine. Probably get to your house about ten thirty. All right, I just got to be done around four. <laughs> oh boy, because it's me and my wife's ten uh, year anniversary. Oh, so and in, in other words, this fence that I'm fixing for you is sort of like an anniversary gift. Yes, from me to you. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, happy anniversary, buddy. Ten year. Wait, how many? Yeah. Oh, but that's that's a dating anniversary. Not married. Yeah, because you got married like right when I met you. Yeah. 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 Do you think there's right. going to be a tenth wedding anniversary too, or probably not going to make it that long? Well, I think uh, I think there's a good chance of it. Pretty good chance. Pretty Got good chance. Chance, huh? <laughs> I don't have a crystal ball. Right. Let's just not make any commitments now. <laughs> I mean, it's your anniversary. Been together for ten years, but let's not rush into any commitments. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a, a special 10 minute woodworking edition of the video. Uh, does that Pros mean podcast. I need to? Does that mean I have to bring some of this gear? Because I finally have my podcast set up like all hard mounted and stuff. Oh, I think I already showed you this, but I, uh, nah, well, I got we'll, an audio we'll, cable to feed through the middle of the boom arm. I had to like unsolder it to snake it through and then resolder it. It's like a whole operation now, but like, I'm podcasting more comfortably than ever. Yeah. looks I like it. I sound good too. Hello. Hey now. Well, hey now. Hey now. The uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. As they say. <laughs> All right. I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. See ya. Birdie, birdie. Hey guys, Michael here with Video Bros. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We love you for it. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks so much.